Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for November 5th of 2017. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. This week we will shift our focus westward. We have two Pacific Division teams that are off to decent starts that maybe we didn't have pegged before the beginning of the season. Uh, Vancouver, who beat Pittsburgh last night, and... The LA Kings are off to a, a great start in that division as well. We'll also talk a little bit about what's up in Pittsburgh, as usual, and then a uh, couple questions towards the end. Oh, and I almost forgot the, the Duchesne. Uh, almost three-way trade with Nashville and Ottawa. So how much about that do you know? I don't think anybody really knows exactly the parameters of that other than Duchesne would probably go to Ottawa and a defenseman like Ekholm maybe making his way to Colorado. You see, because the way I can't... It's the thing. I'm too lazy to go back through my Twitter feed. My understanding was that it was tourist to Nashville, Subban to Colorado, Duchesne to Ottawa. If that's the case, I don't know who nicks the deal. They can't, they the... can't be. Correct. How's, how's that... Colorado pounding off a Matt Duchesne for PK Subban? That's that's the bit. So I'm like, if that's if I heard that correctly, I'm like, well, well done, Joe Sackick. But what the hell's going on everywhere else? How does that even work? I don't think it does. And probably explains why the deal didn't happen. I don't know. It's tough to if you don't have all the bits. I mean, there's potential for those three teams to do something like that. Because Duchesne, Turris, and... Was it Ekholm? You said Ekholm, yeah. Uh, I know. I saw Subban stuff out there, but... he's He's got a lot of years left. He's really good. It's a lot of money. I don't know why... Is Nashville really looking to get out of that already? I... The... The thing for me is, if you're going to do this from a position of strength, which is what it is for, for Nashville from their defensive core, Subban's, I don't know, at worst, their second-best defenseman. I, I think you can get away with giving somebody else up out of that crew that they've got uh, hoisted on that back line of theirs. So, you know... Uh, like, Kyle Turris would if be a great fit a, for them, but... yes. You know, I don't think it costs P.K. Subban. I mean, it, it's one of those things, though, because, you know, we know the, the main pieces that we're, we're hearing about in amongst all this. Would you do that if you if you knew you were going to get Colorado's first-round draft pick? And and that's where knowing the, what was going on there. Because there's no way that it would be one one player each way. There'd be other pieces around it. And if, if you were going to give up Subban, um, I'd be asking for Colorado's first-round draft pick. 
in amongst all of that. Because they, they do need a second-line centre. Benino is not a second-line centre. And tourists would slot into that perfectly as opposed to being a first-line centre in Ottawa. It, it would... Terrace is plenty play. good. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good player. He's a second line. Absolutely. He's a legit top six center. Yeah. Exactly the kind of player that Nashville needs and probably at a price point that they can um, do for the reasons you stated. I just I don't believe Subban. Oh name and any of it hey if it's Ekholm then Ekholm's really good too correct yeah but for me in regards to I would prefer to have Subban than Ekholm just because just because Subban's ceiling when he's on is just so much higher than you know there's only three or four defensemen ahead of him when everybody's playing at their peak so and a player like Ekholm it's pretty good value for the situation Colorado finds themselves in, knowing that they have to trade this guy. You know what I mean? It's not like Colorado is dealing from a place of strength anymore. No, that ship sailed. They're, they're, um, they're trying to get as many pennies on the dollar as they can, and you just don't know how many pennies they're going to end up with at the end. <laughs> If he's still, if, if if Duchesne is still on that roster by the time they hit the trade deadline, um, they're going to get nothing for him. And he's still got years left on his deal, which is the bit that's got me. One more after this. Yeah. So they're going to go through the whole merry-go-round again. Yeah, I um. It's a tough one too, because I'm I'm not sure you want to be his next contract either. He's at that wrong age, isn't he? He's for the he's, next one. He's still young, but if he wants eight years, that's you look at it. Age thirty four, thirty five territory. Yeah, but if you were Nashville, you see that's the thing. You you're right in regards to. Um, he'd be a look. He would be a fit in Nashville as well as a, a second line, uh, a second line pivot as well. I haven't seen anything suggesting um, in this particular one that he was going to go there. It always no, seemed to be no, Ottawa, no, no. but they have wanted. Well, they've expressed interest in Duchesne at previous points. So, but Nashville. I mean, look, the the problem if you were if you were Ottawa is, is your owner going to fork out money for him? If you do go ahead and you make this trade, is Melnick going to be comfortable paying whatever Duchesne asks for? Because if you make a trade like this, you don't really want him just for the bit of this year that's left, which is substantial, of course, and then obviously the year after. You do have to sort of try and go, all right, are we in this for the... Because he will ask for eight years. He might take six. But then you kind of stuck with, are we going to fork out the money for that? And that's always the challenge for for Ottawa and, and the general manager. Yeah, he's going to want a Bobby Ryan contract, I imagine. Well, you don't probably want to have two Bobby Ryan contracts on the one team, do you? 
I don't think you want the first one. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. So that's the most NHL thing ever. Got a cool three-way trade that kind of makes sense, and nothing happens. It's about right, though. What are we, 15 games in, 12 games in for some teams? You've got a general feel for where you're at, and, you know, you've got Yost's 30-game limit for where you're going to be at the start of the year to where you're going to be at the end, and then when's Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is in... 20 days, three weeks or so. Right. So you got, you know, that's what everybody calls the, the rule of thumb. So they've got teams have got that long to work out if they need to make an early move to save their season. Yeah. It is getting to be that time. It doesn't feel like much has happened so far this year. Well, we said that before the podcast. It's been a really flat year. No one's sort of, you know, we are going to discuss LA and Vancouver, but um, nothing sort of jumped out at us surprisingly in a overly positive way. Vegas has been a, a pleasant surprise, but the expectation there is they're going to drop off. Um, everything else is sort of a mishmash. Like we don't expect New Jersey to, to maintain what they're doing either. Best thing over in the East is, is Tampa. That was kind of expected if they were healthy. I like them. So, oh, they're good, they're, the good thing about them is that not only are they successful, but they're fun to watch. You know, it's not like when the Rangers were successful under Tortorella and they were the shit heap to watch. It's just no fun, that hockey. So it's good to have them be successful and, and create a nice style of hockey. I, that's one of the reasons why I want the Leafs to succeed being run and gun. It's like when Dallas were run and gun and were winning games. You want that to be the case because it's good, fun, exciting hockey to to watch. Yeah, no arguments here. And Pittsburgh 2015-16 along the same lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm taking a glance at the standings right now and Los Angeles is 10 2 and 2 plus 17 goal differential what's their coursey for it's 57 <laughs> percent it's better than their their best years under Sutter yeah right that's you know, of all the teams that we thought, well, I thought anyway, that were, you know, bound for some regression, even with, you know, health health back to their, their stars and stuff, I wasn't expecting them to be, um, you know, I was expecting a 49-50-51 kind of team, like middle of the pack kind of stuff. None of this absolutely dominating stuff. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and a little bit of it has to do with their old problem getting a little bit better. The shooting percentage that they were always brutal at their, what did I say, was close to 7% right now? Uh, they're actually 9. It's 8.99. Oh, right. They're 11th in the league, 5 on 5. So Huge bump for them, though. Yep. You know, they've got 100 PDA. 
or over 100 PDO. So you, you, for an LA team that has constantly struggled with that, um, if this holds for the year, I fear for anybody out in the West, to be honest. And uh, on the surface, it looks like Jonathan Quick's having himself a good start. Well, the the thing for me though is even if he does tend to ta- if he does taper off, I, I think what they're doing at the moment in front of him covers for that taper. I think one of the reasons they are ten to and whatever it was that you said is that they've been outperforming. You know, average Jonathan Quick, and Jonathan Quick's been outperforming average Jonathan Quick, so they've got more wins than you would expect. Well, that would throw a wrinkle in our uh, predictions. Well, yeah, I mean, look at that back end that they've got. Like, it's such a mishmash for LA. That's the thing that, like, you, you got to tip your hat to them in that aspect. It's like John Stevens, who, you know, has commonly been touted as a very good very good coach got a bit of a bum deal in in um philly but you know like most cities coaches usually do get a bum deal wherever they go um yeah has come along and and changed things up a little bit for them and they look a lot better very quickly you know what looking through i think they're coursey four per 60s 57 Oh, sorry, Corsi 4, yeah. They're 50.56 possession. So they have taken a... They aren't possessing the puck as much, but shooting percentage is up. Um, I'd be curious if that 57.72 Corsi 4 per 60, where that compares to... For last year's team, I wonder if they're giving up more but generating more, and then that's helping the shooting percentage out. I think that was a lot of people's hypothesis going into the season that they wouldn't have those dominating numbers anymore, but they'd be able to, you know, actually score goals. Yeah. So I'm going to try and quickly. (laughs) This team's a goofy fucking team. They were actually better at generating last year. So who's Curtis McDermott? And who's I don't Oscar Frattenberg? And who's Oscar Frattenberg? You t- you tell me. That this is this is my point. It's like you look at what they're able to produce at the moment. On top of that, Carter's on the IR, right? Yes, he is, and he's their best forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Pr- production wise, yes. Oh, best offensive so, talent. Yes. Yeah, and, and you, you sit there and, and look at what they're producing at the moment without him. Um, you you've got to feel good for what LA is going to produce coming along. Do you know what I mean? Like it could be it could be hell trying to get out of that Pacific. You know, I really thought that the, the Pacific was going to be like a. You know, an Alberta affair, but LA are really putting a nix on that. Neither Alberta team is shooting the puck well. No, that's true. They're both bottom three, and and our team is at the very, very bottom. So, 
Yeah, L- man, I don't know. L.A., shot suppression is much worse. They went from 49.09. They're up to 56.44 in this uh, short sample so far this season. So they're producing a little bit less and giving up a lot more, but their shooting percentage went up, so it's working. That's how bad it used to be. And that's the thing. The shooting percentage went up enough to be middle of the pack, and look at the results they're getting because of it. And, and goaltending's pretty top top five in the league right now. And so. it's the thing with the thing with Jonathan Quick is he can be streaky. So whether that streak runs the whole year or whether it comes in patches on and off, because he has he's missed games last few years where he's not been able to stay healthy because of his groins. If he can stay healthy, he may be able to persist with this quality quality output that he's given the Kings. Well, 10-2-2 two two is a nice head start. With well, you'd teams much rather like be Edmonton there than... and Calgary, kind of. Yeah. It's, it's, probably, it's one of the things, like, you know, Pittsburgh have got some serious holes in, in what they've got as, on their roster, and it shows when they don't all turn up to play because they're knackered on back-to-backs or three and four nights, or they're just not switched on. They don't have all the pieces in place to cover when they're not switched on. Um, but they're still gaining points along the way here. Like, they'd make the playoffs today if if it was to be the case. That's the hard part now for some of these teams. Like, Minnesota, for example, at least they're, you know, a point a game. But Calgary and, and Edmonton and Anaheim, I mean, admittedly Anaheim's beat up as hell, but it's a tough, it's a tough draw to try and drag all that back now. interesting to watch unfold especially if Edmonton's shooting percentages don't improve <clears throat> be a nice uh, panic Chiarelli trade that he doesn't understand you know that part of it well and the, the thing for, for Edmonton is it's not like they've been it's not like Kim Talbot's been bad either no, I bet you their expected goals, at least it was earlier in the year, was pretty decent. Was leading the league at one point. Yeah, I mean, the team as a whole, five on five, is ninety one point nine seven save percentage. So it's not not you know top five or anything like that, but it's not it's not atrocious. Their expected goals this year is fifty seven percent. They're playing good. Yeah. They're a 55.8 per possession team. That's, there is that's really a lot good. riding on this year. Yeah, it sure is. That window's not as large as it should be. Yeah, they're shooting 5.75%. That's low for how much they're actually producing. I mean, one of the... So we were going to discuss Vancouver as well. Yep. You know, Vegas Vegas and Vancouver being surprises doesn't help Edmonton's cause, but I expect both of those teams to sort of fall away as the year goes along. I'm more confident in LA 
holding it together and sustaining it through, which is a team that I didn't think was going to make the playoffs. So that's a team that Edmonton has to at least get near to try and, and make the playoffs. Do you think Vancouver can hold what they're doing in regards to the way they're going about getting their success? Yeah, I mean, Connor McDavid's going to hide a lot as much as any player in the league can these days. Yeah. But it's hilarious to see them whine about secondary scoring, to me, at least. Oh, considering they just threw away two massive parts of secondary scoring, yes, it is funny to watch. Man, those are such blunders. Oh, well. But I I suspect you'll see a panic trade from him in the near future. It is a big year for them. Last year, with McDavid not making $12 Is it 12 Yeah. Whatever it is, it it tightens their cap space up and... The the like you've always said, paying him twelve million is not the problem. It's the what you're paying around him too much for not enough is the the other is the is the issue. Um, and you, everyone will point the finger at the twelve million dollar man, even though guys like Russell are getting paid four. And Drysdale's going to have to center his own line and be good. I know. I think we said this last week. They need to do that now. They need to try. They, they've tried. Yeah, they need to stick with it though and not panic. Trust the process. Because paying an eight million dollars for a McDavid winger when he's twenty, twenty-one. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like overkill because he's going to be so good. Almost, I mean, it's not irrelevant who's there, but more so than yeah, anybody in the yeah. league. I mean, do what Pittsburgh used to do and two head monster up occasionally. Yeah, um, but don't don't make that the staple. Yep, that's a good way of putting it. Because you still have Nugent Hopkins that can, when you yeah. go to every other yeah. shift towards the end. Yeah, you got Jordan Stall sitting there. You still they, got they, you still got Hall and Everly to provide help. Oh, <laughs> you know what? It but it really bugs me. They could have a really Toronto yeah. feeling to them. The issue that the reason they don't though is that they bled goals for so many years that they got petrified of of continuing to do so. And you know, just cheer Ali. I I don't know much else that I can say to that. That's, you know, sort of the, where it all stems from. Starts there, ends there. So, that's our talk about the Canucks. Yeah, that went well. <laughs> so, Vancouver, you know, very popular team to shit on. And uh, guilty as charged. That's two of us. <laughs> they're, um, they're doing well. Best shot suppression me, team in uh, the league. Yeah. Yep. So far through... This stretch of the year, which um, that'll make life tough. 
If you don't have the offense to back, to to push play, you might as well be best at the other thing. Well, you kind of have to be, unless you're going to get wiped off the wiped off the ice. They got some. <laughs> Who was the guy that had the hat trick last night? Bowser. Yeah, he he's young, right? That that's something they desperately need, though, to have those kind of guys step up and and be productive. Yeah, for, for teams that are pushing for the cup, it's usually those guys that help you go deep into the playoffs. For Vancouver, it's giving them respectability. That's what those guys need to do so that they don't end up being the prediction that we all thought they would be. Yeah, um, you know, 50.9 possession team, nothing um, outstanding, but... Certainly up from the 47% they were last year. Yeah, great improvements. I mean, Travis Green walked into a really tough gig there, and as a coach, as far as I can tell with what we've seen in the first 13 games, he's proven he's worth his his salt, to be honest. I don't know how many more goals I'd expect to get out of Derek Dorsett after that hot start, but... But if everybody around the roster pops up in little streaks at different times of the year, that'll get them through. Man, this roster's still shit, though. I'm looking down yep. at it. But Bo Horvat looks to be getting better. The Sedins are kind of on their last leg. Yeah, literally. This will have to be their last year, won't it? Surely. Brandon Sutter, I think, was the worst possession guy in the game last night. Oh, but they did nice. a they did a few of those one year, or not one year for Sam Gagne, but like Sam Gagne, Thomas Vanek, kind of stuff, Burmistrov, guys that aren't breaking the bank. And also, guys, if they do fall out of the playoffs, are, are, are tradable are assets that other teams will want, so can set themselves up further down the track. You know, they got Edler and Tanev. Gabranson is not not very good. They've got Derek Pouliot. You realize this, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's on the team, is he not? Well, I believe so. From what I gather, he's doing doing fine. Actually, yeah, no surprise to be honest. It's a team in transition. Everybody knows that. It's just a matter of how quick that transitions. the The thing that they have to do is they got to end the Sedin era because that's a lot of money. And... Well, this is it. This this is it. I mean, they can walk away and be okay. They can say, we don't want you back. Yep. And then they've suddenly got 14 million bucks to spend on anything they want. 
I mean, which, this is one of those. This is one of those years where, for the development, it might be better off for them to be terrible. Because you, you get fourteen million bucks plus the number one draft pick. Say that's what happens for them. You can turn the club around very quickly, without having to go the traditional. You know, tank for a couple of years to get a couple of assets. You can sort of do that part quite quickly because. Yeah, some of these guys they've got uh, are young enough that they can develop into something. Yeah, it'll be they got a hit right on the drafts that that has to happen. All right, so well, some Derek Pouliot information. He's a fifty-six percent possession player in ten games this year, and point nine eight points per sixty. What's his plus minus? <laughs> Corsi plus minus or no he's what's his plus minus I don't know I don't thankfully Manny doesn't put it on here I'm just saying it's a pointless stat and we know that that's what people like to use because he's a defenseman I was being a touch facetious with it look you and I both know that we think he was going to be an NHL competent Defenseman, um, maybe not the ceiling you would have hoped for a guy that was eighth overall pick, but whatever. <laughs> He's certainly better than Matt Hunwick. Yep. Zach Trotman, Frankie Corrado. Yeah, well, it wasn't going to happen, so. Points per 60 is better than every Penguin defenseman except Oli Mata, believe it or not. Oli, jeez. Well, he's he's had a nice start to his year. He has. He has indeed. It goes Mata, Cole, Hunwick. Not seeing Latang and Schultz there could maybe explain a lot of the issues. I wonder whether Latang's just a comfort level or whether there's more to it. You know, funny you bring that up. I was thinking about that the other day. You know how they were talking in the off season about changing how he plays and the risks and all that. Yeah. I don't know if maybe maybe this is part of that change, and it's one of those things when you got a player that's go go go, and he's made his quick millisecond decisions his whole career on a go 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 mentality you can really screw up the timing and thought process of a player, especially at the NHL level. So it's worth at least bringing up. Did he change? What are the changes that have been made? Because he doesn't look very good so far. And if what you said is the case, I would trust the fact that he's very good at what he does to be able to adjust and adapt. And um, maybe not be as good as he was because there's that safety element involved, but to at least adapt and, and be, you know, close to Chris Letang. Because right now you wouldn't want to say that he is close to Chris Letang. That's the concerning signs for Pittsburgh. They need Chris Letang to be Chris Letang because everybody's a year older now. Like they didn't have him last year and they got away with it. I can't see that lightning striking twice. It's not striking right now. No, 
No, no, no. Because Chris Letang's, you know, he's getting criticized for his play, and you know, it's it's justified for the level of player we know him to be. But he's still outperforming like a Trevor Daly. <laughs> so yeah. it's not like no. the team got worse. Adding Chris Letang, no. playing even at this level, is an upgrade over what they were doing in the playoffs last year. It does um it does make for some tough decisions though. Um Yeah, it's, it's gotta be tough for Jim Rutherford because he's not gonna be in a win now because panic mode. I mean, they're going for a three-peat and have most of their big guns still there. But it's got to be tough to be sitting at the bottom of the league in shooting percentage. you gotta, be you, you got to be careful with that stuff. I'd be curious to know whether the team is shooting more from the outside. I you know, could jump on Micah's stuff. Um, at hockey viz and and have a look and try and see whether the team is shooting from further out or from in too close or they're shooting from wider than they used to because the the talent's definitely there to to make some shots or whether it's just one of those things where they're shooting straight at the keeper. Well, they lost some some good forwards. Nick Nick Benino had a not a great final year in Pittsburgh, but even throughout his possession struggles, you know, he could make skilled plays with the puck and create in moments. And if you're lucky with the shooting percentage stuff, it it can help get you by the bad possession. Whereas I don't think a guy like uh, Sheehan is is quite the same in that regard. No, he feels like your traditional third-line center. Not somebody that really Maybe. drives play and not somebody that um, not somebody that can create something out of nothing. Um, and the expectation is that he shuts down the other team's top line. Now, if he doesn't do that and he's your traditional third-line center... You know what he is? He's what the Nick Spalling fans thought Nick Spalling was. That's not high praise, Gunnar. It's not, but <laughs> I'm not saying he's Nick Spalling. I'm saying that's what Nick Spalling, people that wanted to die on the Nick Spalling hill, that's what they thought they were getting. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. You're not saying he's at the Nick Spalling level. Um, I don't think there were too many people on that hill, but there's some bodies up there. <laughs> it's not a body-free hill, put it that way. Yeah. I suppose it's one of those things where I suppose if you have a look at the struggles the team's having in transition at the moment, it does show you the importance of having Justin Schultz on a pairing somewhere in the lineup. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I've kind of glossed over that a little bit, but him out with that concussion is is a big blow because, okay, Chris Letang's kind of a little bit off. Well, Justin Schultz really stepped in and did a nice job last year. Well, he's out, and Letang's still kind of, you know, whatever. And then you're left and you with were... Chad Roweedle as your other right defenseman. 
I mean, you get there with it and you go, Latang and Dumoulin, you at least trust them to be good in their own zone and to um, be able to transition the puck up. Schulten and Marta was apparent that you were keen to, to, to have the team, you know, invest in a little more often than they were. And then you just, whoever's in the third pairing with, with Ian Cole, you just try and um, isolate them and, and give them uh, cushy zone starts to try and protect them. And that defense doesn't feel too bad. But as soon as Schultz goes, it, it really feels like this lineup loses its balance. And you wouldn't have thought of saying that when he got traded. Not to this extent, no. I thought no. it was a good fit in that he could do the things that, you know, why people he thought he was good yeah. in the first place. But he's exceeded a lot and really done a nice job for them to where he did earn hit that contract. I was skeptical the whole year. I'm like, all right, well, he was good in the playoffs the year before. Let's let's see what what's going to happen this year. You, you let the year play out, and he's just producing offense left and right, and uh, underlying tracking and passing numbers look pretty good. He's facilitating skilled plays, and when you take that out of a lineup that lost – some players that were able to do some of that passing stuff, like, you know, losing Chris Kunitz isn't the end of the world, but, you know, I'm watching Tom Kuhnhackel play top six left wing with Evgeny Malkin. And so that's the kind of thing that happens when you lose Kunitz and don't really replace him. I think the, the thing for me with Kunitz was his ability to post up at the defensive blue line, corral the puck along the boards, and not only corral the puck so that they don't turn it over, but then lob it out for an exit, for a player exiting the zone with speed. And I don't, like... Or tape to tape, or whatever it takes to have that person skate with speed. Yeah, and he could do it... But he could do it under physical pressure. Yes, he's... That was his true skill as his uh, Penguins tenure winded down. It went from being a really productive top six winger offensively and all the other things. And, you know, offense started to dry up. But all those other possession things, he was still doing strong. I don't see that. Like, that's not Carl Hagelin. No, but the thing fourth is, liner I... Carl Hagelin now. But that's not Phil Kessel. It's never been Kessel's game. Hornquist, it's like a grenade on his stick, so he can't do it. He'll get it out. Sh- I'll give him that. But it's not going to be... In control. You know, maybe there's a bounce and, and Sid can skate through to it, but you Sid, know, it's not, Sid's got to work to find that Hornquist breakout sometimes. Yeah, and I mean, Sheer, that's not Sherry's game. Well, How do you pronounce Connor Sherry's name from now on? Sherry. Right. Okay, so... Connor Sherry. Jeez, that sounds I, weird I after all I these years. I can't believe he let that go. <laughs> he scored a fucking overtime goal in the Stanley Cup final. Have him pronounce hey. your name right. Call me whatever you want. But there's nobody on the team that can do those sorts of things that Kunitz used to be able to do. And yes, his minutes were reducing and that sort of stuff, but you could throw him out there in a pressure situation. <clears throat> Excuse me and know that he was going to be able to um, keep the puck and give you an exit. Some of these guys, you just 
you just can't trust to do that as a bailout. And like you said, I would still rather have Kunitz as he is now than Tom Kunakal up in that top six when you have to do the rotations. I I don't think Tom Kunakal should be a nightly player on uh, this three-peat team. Well, they got rid of the guy that I thought should have been playing ahead of him anyway. Which I can live with because... Scott Wilson had his a few moments that was okay. He wasn't a replacement, a total replacement level player. But I'm not gonna get upset over him moving on and what they got back because they did need a better third line center, even though Shane maybe not great. It still keeps um, who's playing. McKegg was the third line center. Who was the fourth? Was it Rowney? Yeah. Yeah, like the problem is they didn't they don't have they didn't really think about the transition from you know, even a Wilson to a Kuhn. I, I just don't Kuhnheichel doesn't do it for me, sorry. No, no, I look I, I agree. Um, I think that, and you, you said this at the start of the year, and, and I agree, the roster will be different between from now to the day after the trade deadline. Um, I will be very curious to see how much of that comes from within the organisation with any of those young guys that they hope to well, Right now up. I think there's only one. Is it Sprong that's keeping everybody happy? Yeah, he's got like 12 goals in 18 games. Look, if if he comes up and allows them to have a little bit more depth scoring-wise, for a team that's struggling to put the puck in the net at the moment, that's not going to be a bad thing. And they suck defensively anyway, so... Yeah, you can't use the defensive thing as a... Oh, he's batted in his own end. You, You can't do that. It doesn't work. If they're already bleeding shots, just bring somebody in that can score. Yeah, you're looking to Thomas Vanekett. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. know that he's going to live over here, but his offense might outweigh it. So, Yeah, exactly. Except Sprung can skate. So. I, uh... any, any concerns about Murray at all? No, not really. I don't, I don't think he's played great, but there's nothing. I'm overly concerned about. He's goalie with a big workload right now. Nineteen back to backs for the year for this team. That and they was don't, good. Yeah, and they. Don't have a backup they trust right now, so hopefully Jerry is know. going I'd throw to throw Jerry out there. He yeah, looked, he looked fine against Calgary. It was, certainly wasn't his fault. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying the team has already gone through a veteran who was supposed to fill the hole. Um, but that was almost predictable. That correct. It's almost like yep. you could see Niemi's, um trending towards, you know, what happened. I that th- that's sort of my point. It's like. You said they sort of haven't planned for the loss of some of these guys in the forward group. You're not going to have somebody that's going to be flurry as 
as the backup, right? You just you're not going to get that and have it work very often like it did last year. But you, you've still got to plan better for what you're going to have to replace him with. And Murray is only 3.75 mil. You got a little bit of leeway there in your goaltending kitty to make sure you do get somebody that's at least replacement level. Now, hopefully for them, I think Jari the is so. Yeah, so and maybe you can get him looks the, with all those back to backs. It's I know the concern there was he won't play enough, but I think he can play just enough to make it make sense. That's 19 games for the. There's a couple less now, obviously, but 19 games they could have started him. Just on the back-to-backs alone, let alone the other ones where they might want to give Murray a break on, you know, three and fours and stuff like that. It's not it's not that impossible to, to see how Jerry could play 25 games this year, and I think that's probably a good balance for Murray. It keeps him under 60, um, around that 55 to 58 range of games, and I think that would be wise for a man that hasn't played that many games in a year at this point. Excuse me, uh, that many games in this year, in a year at this level. Well, AHL, but yes, agreed. Not NHL. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I, I like the conceptually Crosby, Malk, and Kessel being split is, I think, the right move. They just don't have the the same personnel they used to. It's trying to get that. Carl Hagelin being on the fourth line is fucking them over good. <laughs> it is. You're not wrong. But this is this is Carl, you talk to any Rangers fan. This is Carl Hagelin. I agree. He, man. Couldn't have come on the scene any better than he did, but correct it, it, for to think that that was going to be the standard was very wishful thinking. Yep, HBK was fun as shit when it was going strong, but you know it was a just one of those planets aligning kind of things. I think I think he's got a good chance of being traded, to be honest. Well, it. it... <laughs> It's him or Hornquist in regards to the money needed to do anything of any value. In regards to the, they need to shift money if they're going to bring money in, and they're the two most likely contracts. Ignore what each player brings on the ice. Um, they're the two things that are the the, the moving options. And I mean, Hagelin has no clauses on his contract, whereas Hornquist does. So trying to move Hornquist would be harder in itself. Um, and you can make a case that he's too valuable to, to get rid of now as much as I'm not a particularly big fan of him. No, he's 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 played way better than Hagelin. Correct. And I don't have a problem yeah. with him being out on Crosby's line because... What's the alternative? You're gonna put him with Shane or McKeg? Like, that's that's not gonna get what you need out of Hornquist. Uh, it's it's the McDavid rule. You put him with Crosby. I can't believe I called it that. It used to be the Sid rule. You put him with Sid so that you get as much out of Hornquist as you can, knowing that Crosby can make up for Hornquist's shortcomings as a player. 
you don't go and throw him down with McKegg or with um, Shane and expect them to be able to get anything out of Hornquist. It's just it, it's too difficult. The players just aren't good enough to do that. Yeah, I've been meaning to write an article on Hornquist because uh, highlighting some of what he does really well. And he, what was it? Rebound shots or so like he was he's obviously at the top of the league for something like rebound shots and shooting percentage on rebound shots is higher obviously than the initial shot and he's not a skilled shooter per se but his volume so good that you know the goals will eventually go but even if, if his shooting percentage on rebounds is so high he's obviously doing something uniquely right in that situation. Well, I don't volume. think his shooting percentage is high. I think his volume. But there's something to be said about the volume. Yeah. So it's just a matter of getting the puck to those areas. And Sid can and, do it, and McKegg can't. So. Yep. No, you, the logic behind it's solid, real solid. But then you got, like, man, what? Why they got a dog Gino like this? He's got Kuhn Hockle and Rust, and no offense to Brian Rust. He's he's a good player. But he can't be the best winger on the Malkin line. So why He needs to be it... a third wheel if he's on a top six line, not the primary. So when they split up this is the thing. So when they split up <clears throat> Sid and the kids and they put Hornquist up there, it's usually Sherry that gets Demoted. No, I'm I'm fine leaving him there. Gensel can't. Gensel's got to go with Malkin. That, Gensel this, should never play is, away from Malkin or Crosby. This is the question I'm asking. So why is it that when when the whenever Connor Sherry Sherry whatever Sherry whenever Sherry um or Gensel get moved, why is it that they go to the third or the fourth line? Why are they not? taking shifts with Gino. I don't understand. That's the bit that I don't understand. Well, here's how they dig out of this little rut. They ain't going to ever be good defensively. They just got to go out and get Matt Duchesne. (laughs) No, but honestly, I don't know. I think that their move this year, if it's an all-in chips-in move, is going back to that score as many damn goals as possible with Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on their, all their own lines. Yeah. And part of that is getting a third-line center or another top-caliber winger and maybe you know entertain the thought of a Gensel third-line center. I know that's not high on their list to do, but what if you got a top-line winger? You can shuffle, yeah. <clears throat> is Gensel really going to be worse than Benino was last year in that role? I don't think so. No, and if you pair him up with Kessel as the uh, as the primary winger on that line, because you've got the wingers filtered down elsewhere, then it, it certainly certainly makes it possible. I don't know who this big player is. No. So just throwing that out there. It's it's <laughs> one of those things that if they do. If they do 
go for it. So say they do go and do something like that. It's one of those deals that can make or break a a franchise in transition because you're probably going to give up a couple of draft picks that you're going to want in a few years' time. So he yeah, but the way the, over- the way the league is set up though now, you can't intentionally tank anymore. Really, it's just not good enough. No, I realize that, but you still need the draft picks, and that's that's the only thing that worries me is the the. The lack of faith I have in this is hilarious. Coming talking about a general manager that's just resided over two Stanley Cups, but the fear is that he goes all in, knowing that the repercussions aren't going to affect him. Simple as that. But as fans, you're until the end. So I think it's going to be a a rough transition, transition. anyways. So you might as well make make do now. I so just throw it all a while ago. I was more concerned about the futures because the window was wider. Like when Sid and Gino are twenty five, twenty six, and they're trading all these picks, I'm, I was, I was like, listen, you're you're shortchanging this window with the future stuff. These futures can help when Sid and Gino are still good. Now we're kind of getting towards the end part where. It's going to be rough heading out of this anyways. Might as well make yeah. the, the last window part of it good, if you know what I mean. Well, if you're going to run with it with that attitude, then it's like, yeah, fuck it. Just go all in. Like, I'm, kinda, you know. I'm not fuck it all in, but I'm closer to that than I used to be. You're not cheer rallying it. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not giving up. <laughs> Gensel for Andy McDonald or nothing like that. No, no, no. But yeah, I, I, the sentiments are understood with what you, with what you're suggesting there, because that's Everyone's that's sitting... usually my fear. It's like the future gets absolutely hacked up, and I've I've had that fear for a while now, and it's been okay. So maybe I should stop stressing about it as much as I do. Well, when we're entering that twilight period in the next four years or so when Sinjino will be very still good but it's not going to be the spoiling 13 years that we've had watching that that team it's going to be a rough transition and i don't know how they navigate it because before it was simple all right fuck it we'll try and lose but now you got teams like Colorado that were legitimately bad, not trying to tank. <laughs> That's remarkable, too, by the way, that they weren't trying to tank and they were that bad. <laughs> but <laughs> what was their draft pick this year? Was, was it ninth like or tenth or something? Oh, was it that bad? Yeah, see my point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like where Buffalo did it, and yeah, mind you, they're struggling to, to come back from it. But, you know, you knew Jack Eichel was going to be there at worst. Yeah, that does help a lot. And that's not the case anymore. Even Vegas, who's an expansion team, drafted like fifth or seventh or something. So, all right. Uh, anything else on Pittsburgh? No, I think we have questiones. Okay, let's... Uh, you got one to start? Um, I suppose we kind of covered this off. You know, Chad Tully asked whether Tourist could be a trade target for a third-line center. Uh, no. Well, no. 
Um, here's the deal with that. Yes. Could he be a third line center on Pittsburgh? Yeah. It looked pretty good with Kessel. I imagine so, but what are you giving up? That was my thought when I read it. I've gone, what can Pittsburgh possibly give Ottawa that would, Ottawa think that's not enough, you know, and Ottawa think they're in a win now mode anyway. And they are. So I they're, can't... they're moving tourists because they think they're getting Duchesne. It's not the same as Pittsburgh can't replace tourists on that roster. No. Um, tourists but even in own... general, look league-wide. What team can it say, yeah, tourists, third-line center, come on down. He's, he's going to be a top-six center. You realize he's only getting paid 3.5 mil for this year, right? And this is it, right? Yeah, and then, then he's a UFA. But he's the he's a... We'll use the Hagelin example. He's the perfect in-and-out sort of a cost for a team that has a player that's severely underperforming in their environment. If you could entice, if you could entice Dorian with extras around the player you're trading him for, tourists could really, really help someone down the track if Ottawa, you know, slide out or anything along those lines. Whilst Ottawa is still in with a chance of the playoff. Um, I can't see tourists moving for anything other than a blockbuster. I uh, I think highly of him, though, like I said earlier. Yeah. I think he's probably close to a $7 million player, legitimately. And he's 28, though, and that's another one of those contracts. Do you want to be the next person signing that for eight years? And you have to understand where this player is coming from. Th- you said $3.5 million? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to feel like... I deserve my money because I earned it. Yep. And Correct. I don't blame him for that mindset, but you know, that, that has nothing to do with future performance unfortunately because this contract system's complete bullshit. <laughs> you know. Yep. No, you you're exactly right. And he's he will be it'll be fascinating to see what happens with him. And that said, Ottawa are quite clearly in the playoff hunt right now. I mean, they're comfortably in second in the Atlantic. There's no reason to think that they're going to fall off the map unless somebody gets injured and stuff like that. But if they do slide, he's definitely somebody because they're going to. Are they going to take the attitude? We'll just ride him out if he's a UFA. That would be irresponsible. It would. So you makes the Duchesne gonna... stuff make sense. Yeah, yeah. Get him over to Colorado, and and then you've got. Your center for at least this year and next if they get Duchesne. So. All right. Brett Engel, what's a good way to understand hockey plays slash statistics? Well, read my shit, man. No. <laughs> no, there's 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 some good good people. Um, you'll have to buy an athletics subscription though. And no, I do not. Have any ties to there? That's just got good. Uh, Justin Bourne's probably one of the the better ones. Uh, it, he used to back in his the score days do wonderful system breakdowns for every thirty or all thirty NHL teams during the summers. And even if it didn't have to do with your specific team, you could still learn conceptually about these things. 
Um, Penguin-centric Jesse Marshall does similar things for The Athletic now, previously uh, on the Penn's blog and Faceoff Factor. So there are people out there that do uh, this kind of stuff. And as far as like statistics, just uh, read as much um, material out there and some people are obviously better than others and some people know more than others but maybe don't communicate it right but you'll find the right mix of uh, the writer that works for you but i would say it's one of those shot volume kind of arguments if you read enough you're going to hit on some of them and and you'll get the information that you want sometimes it's not always easy but uh ryan stimson does I mean, if you really want to understand plays and stats married to one another, Ryan released uh, quite an extensive coaching philosophy uh, thesis, I almost want to say. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Super detailed, and if you really did want to learn about some some stuff, he he put out some great great material. So, hope that helps. Reading reading all of that along with. Um, Micah's visualizations can really help as well, um, particularly his heat maps and, and things along those lines. Um, just gives you some perspective of, of what the numbers mean relative to where things happen on the ice as well. So don't think of it all as just um, numbers and spreadsheets. Some of the visualization stuff's really, really handy to try and get your head around some of the concepts too. And, and when you read and, and learn more and more about the concepts obviously watching the actual game and seeing it play out you can train your eye to look for the things that maybe are more important than what we thought in years past like watch the defensemen that consistently are able to make a controlled pass on the breakout versus the ones that are always smashing it off the wall and that kind of stuff and making what, what forwards have skating and, and hands ability to navigate the neutral zone without having to chip it in? And all that plays into those those other numbers, but it can also make watching the games uh, more fun when you appreciate... Because, you know, there aren't always a lot of goals in the game or, or super obvious great plays, but if you start to train your eye to look for maybe some of the smaller victories on the ice, it can make watching the sport a little bit better? I think it makes it so much more fun watching for the little things and, and trying to understand the thing. It's a little bit trying to watch for spoilers in the backgrounds of TV shows and stuff like that when you get told about them. I find that part of the, the game of hockey fascinating. Um, you know, I've not, got a, I've not been as fortunate as you of being able to play the game, so trying to understand the finer points of it that, you know, don't show up on the telecast because they don't have enough time or will to want to point them out um, is is what makes the game interesting when it's a 0-0 tie, you know, halfway through the third period and no one really looks like they're scoring. There will be a reason why they're not scoring and it's fun to try and pick those bits apart. So that's my best advice. That one? No, no one ever answers my question. My, have we got any questions? Oh, actually, no, I lie. There is one. From uh, Tyler underscore Durden, if the Rangers don't turn it around, what's more likely? Vigneault gone or they start trading pieces? 
Oh, that's um, that. It's a great question. It's a team to track, isn't it? They are not doing good, and by not doing good, I mean uh, they're doing better. Eh, I lied. They're five, three, and two in their last ten. They were really struggling. They were. Um, let's see. They got four. They're one point out of the wild card. Which is pretty impressive considering their start they had. Yeah, but as you said, they've played 10 at home. Yes, they've been overloaded with home. Yeah, and that, that could just catch up with them later on in the year. That's all. It's like Pittsburgh's the reverse. They've played only five at home out of 16 games. So I think, I think you got to start... Pondering a, a coaching change there if it doesn't start looking. Um, I think Vigneault's clearly... He's he's not a bad coach, but like any of them, do you get in these player usage things? Like he's... I don't think it's as much of an issue lately, but like, you know, Tanner Glass finding his way into the lineup. Like... Just not maximizing the what they have. So usually you get to about this length of time in a coach's tenure at a club, and the message starts to get old, right? But there aren't many players that have been there his entire time. You've got Lundqvist, you've got Stahl and McDonough. So, so, you know, Nash, Zuccarello, Kreider... Everyone else is, is beat in and out, so it's not like his message has gotten old and ground down to a halt on some of these guys, and they've just shut him out. Do you know what I mean? So it, it will be interesting to see what happens with Finia, because I actually think he's, he's quite a good X's and O's coach, but if you don't have the correct player usage, those X's and O's start to fall apart on you. So, you know, at least he doesn't have Girardi to put out there anymore. Yeah, yeah. they saved him they from did. himself with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they replaced Girardi with Shattenkirk. That's that's a huge upgrade. upgrade. Yep. Yeah, they're... What do you do with Rick Nash? Well, I suppose that's probably where the question sort of stems towards is at what point do they go we've got to get something back for Nash because I don't think that they should re-sign Nash at age 34 for next year. Is that how what? old Rick is? He's 33. Oh, man. So... Rick's been doing good for a long time. He has. Zabina Jad's great. That was a yes. wonderful trade for them. JT Miller's got to continue to get better. Kevin Hayes... After coming on strong, he's kind of lost in the mix of things, huh? And that could be a usage thing. And then, um, you know, losing Derek Stepan is a tough, tough thing when you don't have anything backing it up. Yeah, it doesn't help the cause, does it? Nah, not really. So, you know, Metro 
starting to shape up a little bit here with the Rangers uh, getting back uh, in the into the thick of things. So long way to go. Even still got three weeks from that Thanksgiving uh, standard that you spoke of earlier. It's nine. It's nine games. It gets us to about a, the quarter peg of the year. So a little bit shy of Travis's thirty. Yeah. Well, I don't have any other questions. No. Well, I'm tapped out as well. All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. All right. Well, you can find him at Gunner Stall. You can find me at Walshy66. We're on Facebook. Just look for Hockey Hurts. We've also got a Patreon page, which is patreon.com at hockey underscore hurts, I think. Or Hockey Hurts, one of the two. Um, and where else are we? Gonna I always forget. Facebook or iTunes? iTunes. I got the Facebook one down. Yes, rate us on iTunes, please. I think that does it. Does indeed. All right. Cool. We'll see you next time. Bye.